I'm rather busy. Uh, now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. All right, Richard. So I know you were very excited for the return of Eugene Toombs. Yes, the sequel. But to begin this conversation, I have a fun fact about the actor who plays Eugene Toombs that I found out this weekend. Can he actually stretch to fit into small spaces? Actually, yes. Oh. That was not an effect. Also, he was born in Dover, Delaware. Oh, my God. It's possible that I knew him. You, what if you two went to school together I, we and he not, was like your best friend? We did not go to school together. And your best friends were the actor who played Eugene Toombs. Do you know how far Dover is from where I grew up? No. There you go. Look, Delaware is like two hours and you're out of the state. So how far could it be? So how did you feel about the return of Toombs? You know, better than the introduction of Toombs. Okay. I still don't know why they were so fascinated with this particular fellow. I still don't like him really that much as a villain but using him again i thought they used it more effectively in in a way my issues with the initial one why does he eat livers why is it like this seem to be erased by the fact that okay well this is just how it is it's using its own right. mythology in a way um i f- can't figure out what the timeline of this is like it feels like they went back to this well a little too early number one there oh he's being released on parole already and i'm thinking well already like that's a little this if we're going with the real time of how the episodes are being released it's it's not even a year well he wasn't that's that was the other i'll give you i'll give you the rundown so as i understand the events of 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 squeeze and now you know nine months later james It is nine months. Uh, he was not convicted of anything. No. He was not actually on trial for murder. He was not charged with murder. He was actually in psychiatric care for the assault on Scully. Yes. And so he's not getting out on parole. He's yeah, just yeah, yeah. getting out of the psychiatric facility because his doctor feels that he is able to go out and be supervised in the world again. It was a isolated incident. And I got that, but then at the end of the episode, in nine months... The houses have been completely torn down, and a mall has been completely erected in the area. Yes, that—that's when I found like that's a co- that, that complex. Was a little, yeah, that and, that was just kind of one of those things you have to overlook, I guess. I mean, I figured like if this had happened in season two, maybe. But on the other hand, because they died it with by the bugs in last week's episode, and now this is the episode we have, they are actually reliving their their experiences and the X Files in a sort of afterlife. It's very possible. So that's how this makes sense. I mean, Born Again kind of had a little bit of an Eve vibe yeah. to it. No, yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, certainly um, if we're if we're picking nits at things like that, I think that we both like the episode. Uh, uh, I mean, I know I like this episode. Yeah. I, I I think that in a, in a strange way, Tombs is tonally a little bit more yeah. X-Files-ish because I think this is actually a pretty funny episode hmm. and... Not to the degree of like, haha, it's a comedy or anything, but there are just moments in it where they're sort of, because they've already done this, right? Yeah. We, we've seen this in Squeeze. They've played this straight before. So we don't need to see that again. There's not even really much investigation in this episode because, of course, they already know <laughs> what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, it's all stakeout. Right. It's all stakeout. It's all watching tombs do weird things and murder his uh, uh, psychiatrist, which, haha, that's, you know, funny. I'll, I'll say, if the, the, on the one hand, they're saying, well, if he murdered the foster parents, it would be too obvious. 
obvious he would never do that. So he murders the psychiatrist, which will never be traced back to him at all. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> he just seemed to snap or something. But the, the implication, I guess, is that this is the final liver before he and so he just needs to fucking get out. But then again, why wouldn't he just eat two livers maybe and only he, have to eat four next time? Maybe he can't. Maybe he can't save it. I don't know what we know the rules of of Eugene Toombs are. Hmm. But yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about. It's like the the episode is much less interested in Toombs as a a, a villain or as a character. I mean, the episode really isn't about him. It's about uh, Mulder and Scully and how they're reacting to this situation. It's also about, I mean, we will talk about Walter Skinner, but... um, it's also about sort of the the sort of meta plot that's being developed around the X Files. Yeah. Uh, we get the cigarette smoking man again, who now talks for the first yeah, time. Yeah. But in the tomb stuff, I think that it's it's got this sort of black humor to it that I I appreciate. I mean, they kill the guy by basically jack, escalator him. him into an escalator. <laughs> Um, which if you want to hear our podcast on mall rats, we did that as part <laughs> of our special, uh, I like the cross check about presents. And, and also the whole thing about the, buy the book stuff. And then at the end of the episode, yeah. Mulder doesn't pull his gun on him. He instead murders him with an escalator. <laughs> I don't know that that's really a buy the book way to stop a suspect from charging at you. I'm just saying, but I just think there's a lot of little moments in this episode that they're, they're playing around. They're already starting to, I think, play around with the edges of what the X files are, because again, they've already told this story. Yeah. So they're able to sort of go at it sideways. But I think that, yeah. And again, we have a further developed by, by this point, the relationship between the two already strong from the beginning is further developed, but there are a lot of parallels to earlier stuff. Uh, she calls him Fox at one point in this episode and he immediately starts laughing, which was a nice callback to beyond the scene when he calls her Dana and she's like, all right, you're, you're pitying me. Like they, 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 they will always be on a last name basis to each other, but that is no less intimate. In a way it's more. Intimate, yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I mean, because really it's, it's, it's a, a shared identity that they both yeah. have for each other Mulder and scully it's the yeah i mean why i mean it makes me wonder like obviously there was probably an unspoken thing or maybe a spoken thing about Mulder saying hey you know what call me Mulder, don't call me fox i don't know what fbi agents call each other i mean i know they're supposed to call themselves agent all the time yeah uh i don't know if they do that i not. mean i i would assume that you know, if you if it's a superior or someone you don't know, you you would just out of and especially twenty years ago, Agent Mulder, Agent Scully is how they would know each other at first, and you you get the sense that again in Beyond the Sea is the first time that they're really dealing with something a little more personal and sensitive, and so he's taking this as a all right, well we, we we've broached that moment, we're now on a first name basis, and you know she's trying this again there. This is yeah. the kind of. Uh, last gasp of that attempt to the defra- but they recognize that first name basis isn't this it is not the signifier of their you know respect and affection for each other and know? not only that but i think in a, in a strange way i mean it, it it like i said it makes them a little bit closer because you get the impression that of course no one in in, in scully's real life is calling her is calling her scully yeah. or calling her dana and vice versa i mean i think that that you know, Mulder saying that he even made his parents yeah. call him Mulder is a funny line. Who knows if that's actually true? But 
I think that I want to talk more about the relationship in the episode, but I, I kind of want to go down the like run down a few of the key scenes that I think are, are, mm. are highlights of this episode. I think in terms of the humor, at least, because again, I think it is really funny at least. Well, maybe not funny is the right word, but it's, it's amusing. Um, you've got Mulder and Scully standing in the hallway. Tombs comes out, gives him that weird look. Yeah. You've got Tombs picking up the roadkill, licking his fingers. Uh, you've got, <laughs> The the woman who is having the the humorous battle with her toilet, uh, and it's like what? Like you've got? I like it because you've got this killer stalking her husband, and, and instead of focusing on the killer stalking her husband, we're focusing on she's snaking her toilet with this like. Who owns a toilet snake, by the way? Does anyone actually own a toilet snake and have it readily available at a moment's notice at 9 o'clock at night to be snaking your toilet? As the first resort, not even just using the, all right, well, you know, plunge, plunge, plunge. Okay, let's get the toilet snake out. She's a very capable woman. Yeah. Uh, And then you've got the scene with the sandwich. I mean, you know, Scully makes a little joke about it being liverwurst. I just think that, that it's... I don't know. It's it's so interesting to me to see the show it's going, be able yeah. to, to to pull that kind of stuff off because it's not really something that... I mean, certainly the show's been a little funny a little bit here and there, but not really to this degree. Well, it, it, I would say not funny, but a little absurd. It's not... It, it, it's absurd fun- is a good word. It's funny to say this in a show that's dealing with paranormal phenomena to the degree that is, but this episode in particular is not even remotely going for realism. And I mean, the no. the standout set piece was when the you know ancient sheriff in the wheelchair you know goes to the, it's here and it's never explained why he has this epiphany, but he just knows and he's right, and they excavate a skeleton in cement. Like this is. As over the top, you know, this it's 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 almost camp. Yes, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm a person who appreciates camp as a way of highlighting the seriousness of things. I don't you think... you may enjoy later seasons of the X Files. <laughs> okay, then. Um, yeah, all right. This is a campy episode. Um, and I, I think know, maybe I, I no. Think I think that's right. yeah. I think that's kind of why I could appreciate this episode more than I could squeeze squeeze. I think was it trying to take the idea of a hundred year old, uh, liver eating stretchy guy seriously. And this is realizing that a hundred year old liver eating stretchy guy is kind of silly. So we're going to go with it. We're going to have the, you know, we're, we're going to run with it. We don't need to be in the realms of realism right now in a way that's kind of holding us back. We're dealing with, the bizarre end of the spectrum. Let's fucking go. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And you know, key to that, I think, is is the performance of Tombs in this episode mm. because it's. I think it's. Not, I'm not saying it's much better than. It's more bestial in a way. And it, way yeah, which... it is. And I think that while well, he's given more to work with, obviously, yeah. in, in Squeeze, he was basically just a serial killer. And you know, okay, you can do with that what you will. I don't even remember if he talked in Squeeze. I don't. I don't think he did a line or two. Nothing very major. Either but way. yeah. I'm... I don't know if he did or not, but in this episode, of course, he does talk. He doesn't talk very much, but but everything he says just makes the guy seem checked out mentally. Yeah, and you you know because obviously Tombs is not a character. We don't know anything about him really, aside from the fact that yeah. he's, he was 
100, 100 years old or something like that, and he comes out every 30 years, eats five livers, and goes goes back to sleep. We don't know anything yeah. about his parents or what he likes to eat or, well, ha-ha, we do. <laughs> or, uh, his inner life. We don't get a sense right. of he could, could he explain what he does for his life, you know? Does he know that he eats five livers and hibernates for 30 years, you know, or is that just, you know, is there something insectile about it that's just, that's what it does. This is an engine to do this. Right. But he must be intelligent to some degree yeah. because he has been able to get a job. Capt- well, get a job. Yes. But <laughs> also elude capture uh, for, for 90 years. I mean, you know, like, that's not something that a, a stupid person could necessarily yeah. do. I, you know, I mean, serial killers in general are usually fairly intelligent. So I, I think, and I think it's fair to call him a serial killer, even if he's doing it for some sort of, you know, biological need or something yeah. like that. I mean, you could get into a whole discussion about serial killers, but well, I remember from the initial episode, one of the theories they float is that he's drawn to the challenge, going to more and more secure places and. You know, because in the scene where he's again stalking the guy with the toilet snake and all, he's he's doing a lot more work than he needs to. There, there is, there are so many more people he could have eaten on the way home that would have been easier targets. Again, if you want, if all you want to do is eat a liver and it doesn't really matter, go into uh, go into the alleys of Atlantic City. There's a bunch of homeless people that you can eat there. The show has shown that. Um, well, he, yeah, that's he, well. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think one of the one of the key things about this is kind of a, a tangent, but I think it's key to this episode as well is that um, that's actually more profound than you think it is because I like serial killer stuff. I follow it. Mm. Um, I read serial killer <laughs> blogs, and I'm not a creep. I swear. But one of the one of the key theories about why because people are always like, where did all the serial killers go? There are no serial killers, right? And the, there was this fascinating study that came mm. out just a couple months ago that uh, basically posited that there's probably like five active serial killers in each major American city, mm. uh, which is a lot more than anybody expected. But it's also that they are no longer murdering victims that anyone cares about. Mm. They're murdering prostitutes. They're, I mean, I'm not saying like I'm not making judgments no, no. here. I'm saying like society doesn't value their lives. These are people that are on the fringes of society. Don't necessarily have families or, you know, right. somebody who's homeless will not necessarily have somebody checking up on them. And therefore the case will get cold quicker. It, exactly. That kind of thing. So, so the, a serial killer is someone who has a, a, a compulsion to kill, a, a psychological compulsion yeah. to murder people, to kill people. And so they're, they're, they've wised up essentially and they're, <laughs> they're picking their targets. They're picking the homeless. They're picking sex workers, prostitutes, you know, people like that, uh, that society devalues and perhaps don't have a lot of societal ties mm. t- for someone to go, hey, where did Angela go? Nobody pays attention to Angela, so nobody knows that she's dead. So I think that in this episode, it's it's kind of an interesting thing that Toombs is, I think you're right, like going the exact opposite <laughs> of that. He's he's trying to break into someone's house and murder them while their wife is still awake. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty ballsy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't need to do that. But, uh, and, and, and again, he's... And let's not forget, he frames Mulder. Yeah. For, for assault. Yeah. Hmm. Fucking tombs. <laughs> so we have a callback to the original reason the X-Files are... Now, is this the introduction of Skinner, or have we seen him before? Yes. Okay. Because um, originally, Scully was assigned to the X-Files with the implicit... Uh, assignment to look into Mulder to 
force these to be by the book, which is which is going to make these cases fall apart. As she says, we've got a very good conviction and solved case rate, and we're using these unorthodox investigations. If we are going by the book, these cases are not going to be solved, and then frankly, the FBI will have an excuse. Well, your casework is so you know you have only a twenty percent success rate. You can you know right. you need to be assigned elsewhere. Um, Which is why I like that scene so much because the way that she phrases that, of course, is, hey, are you aware of this? And yeah. of course, what she's really doing is, you guys are fucking with us. And, yeah. and it's, you know, Skinner's picking up on it as well. And yeah, you get the sense in the end of the episode that the guy smoking cigarettes is somebody who. I, he, he needs a name, like, like cigarette smoking yeah. man or something. <laughs> um. Is, so is, is that that's the official how they like refer to him in scripts and shit or uh, I think so yeah okay I, I don't know as much about the X Files as I do about Star Trek but okay I mean I know the character yeah, the character doesn't have you know really a name they but... refer to him later in the show I think as Cancer Man sometimes which okay. you know is fine uh, yeah he he actually does have a name I mean you find it out at some okay. point um, but yeah he he's definitely a character that that is still very unformed at this point. I yeah, mean, I yeah, think yeah. that all the characters, yeah. well, aside from Mulder and Scully, are unformed at this point. They're they're more what they represent. Again, Deep Throat, we've, we've seen Deep Throat a lot more. We have a little more of an idea of what Deep Throat represents, even if we don't exactly know what part is the truth that he's telling. But, but interestingly enough, no one ever calls him Deep Throat in the show. Yeah. We don't know the guy's name. No one ever refers to him as anything. I mean, I think the only way Mulder ever refers to him to Scully is like, you know, informant or something. I don't even remember what he says, but he doesn't call him anything in particular. And so I think that that's kind of key to it as well is that there's this, there's this shadowy conspiracy that's, you know, we don't know. We don't know what yeah. they're doing, essentially. Because at the end of the episode, you know, the cigarette yeah. smoking man, you know, Skinner asked me, do, do you believe them? And he says, well, yeah, of course I do. I mean, this is a man who knows that there is a secret room with all of this alien evidence shit. And he's put he's he's handled evidence from them and placed it in there. So, yes, he is well aware of other. And, and in a way, I you get the sense that he is able to give the imprimatur to the X-Files. Yeah, by he is obviously overriding Skinner at that end scene. By Skinner is ready to just toss them out, and by saying no, I believe them. This will be believed. This work should continue. And whether he and Deep Throat are acting from the same agency or against each other, well, that's. I mean, I think that that's one of the key questions. And you know, I've I've always said to you, like, don't don't put too much stock in the yeah. the mythology of the show because it. You know, it never really makes a lot of sense, and it kind of—I mean, which is not true. I, I think that it does make sense up to a certain point, and then you know, after season five or six, it starts to fall apart, and we will have a good time talking about exactly why it falls apart. But I get the sense the characters, though, are supposed to be slightly archetypal in many ways. Yes. Again, the fact that he's not referred to as a name, but as a title for his appearance in a lot of ways um well i think that's key to the the scene where scully looks at the cigarette smoking man and she obviously she's having a dual reaction there which is a who the fuck is this guy and why is he in skinner's office and then also i think she realizes and she recognizes that he was also there in the room when she was first assigned to the x-files in the pilot yeah she she knows that he's this this is the third time i believe she's seen him again she saw him twice in the first episode yeah he was there during the debriefing or whatever yes Um, yeah yeah yeah. that's right so he uh, 
And it says a lot that she doesn't seem to be able to ask who are you, that there was given no introductions and she is essentially – there is a tacit admission that she is not allowed to acknowledge him and that he's not going to acknowledge her. Like he's in the room but that's – you know, don't pay attention to him. He's just a living camera in a way. I think so because one of the things that is always key to, to the X-Files I think – and is, I mean – I don't know if the real FBI is like this. I mean, huh. I, I've only ever had experiences with the FBI um, watching television shows and yeah. then also that brief time when I was considered to be a serial killer. But That's how you know so much. That's how I know so much. But uh, that's not true. Um, just want to make it clear that I was not ever uh, in under investigation for being a serial killer. That it seems to me that the FBI is a very hierarchical organization yeah. that is very classically top-down. And I'm assuming that when Scully was summoned to Skinner's office, um, he was not introduced. Yeah. And so that's kind of the unspoken culture yeah, of yeah, the yeah. FBI that, well, he wasn't introduced, so I can't talk to him. Yeah. Which is weird, but it's I think it's internally consistent with the way the show has portrayed the FBI so far. And let's... Let's just thought experiment. Swap Scully with Mulder into in that room. Mulder's asking who that guy is. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, that's, I think that's why it's not. Mulder. Yeah. I, I, or but, partly, partly why. But the fact that we are well, again difference between the two of them. I really like the exchange when they're talking about. Uh, he says to her, "You know, if you legitimately don't believe this, that's okay. I can respect that because at this point, Scully has shown that she." is very evidence-oriented, yeah, and yeah. the evidence has not convinced her, and that means to Mulder, all right, well, I've just got to work twice as hard to find, find certain evidence, um, but if you're doing it because you were told you know, not to, I can't. That's just bureaucratic nonsense. Yeah, I think in that scene, Mulder is very, very close to being incredibly disappointed in Scott. Yeah. And, and she backs out of it, of course, because she is realizes what she's doing you know i don't know i think that this episode scully has been portrayed as someone who is protective of her career but but is perhaps going down a road that is not going to end well for her at least (laughs) in a career sense yeah and and it's interesting how Mulder both wants her to see what he's seeing understand what he understands and live how he lives while also recognizes again when he's trying to convince her you know don't go on the stakeout like you know you'll you'll, that he doesn't want her to go too far because in a way she is she's his lifeline he i think recognizes the degree to which he is allowed to be doing what he's doing through her in some ways and yeah you know so he there is a very fine line that Scully needs to toe between you know doing what the bureau wants playing by their rules because that's whose house they're in and still being in the service of the truth and what is right yeah i think so and and also interestingly enough i i think that it it is key to the episode uh the the case's placement in this episode because you know, Squeeze was the, the you know, I, I mean, it wasn't the first case they did. The pilot was the first case they did. But Squeeze was the second case they did. It was sort of the, in effect, the, the first real case they did because they were already, you know, she was yeah. assigned to the X-Files at that point and they kind of went on from there. But let's not forget that that the murders were not solved at the end of that episode. Yeah. That Yeah, Toombs was not part of that 70% success rate. Right, That exactly. He was not part of that 70% success rate. And so in this episode, you know, you revisit that case from much earlier in their career, at the, basically at the, the beginning of their working yeah. relationship. 
And Scully has found, I think, pretty solid evidence that Toombs did murder this person that was killed in 1933. So at least in terms of Scully's ability to believe what the evidence is telling her, I think that this episode in particular is a very, very key development in that regard. Um, I just completely, as I completely forgot, who was the person in the cement that it turned out to be? It was just a murder victim but wh- of wh- tombs. Why was it? Pati- but didn't they say like, oh, this victim is going to be, oh, it was the teeth that yeah. they were able to find that from. But I thought the implication was he put them there because it would have been connected to them. Yeah, they never really explained okay. that. I don't know what that was about, but, you know, we'll just. You see a wedding ring, maybe it was a wife or, you know, a parent or something, but. Yeah, yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. I still think the episode might have been a little more effective a little later in the run after it had said a little more. But this was – I liked this episode a lot more than Squeeze. Well, that's all we can ask. Thank you. And I'm glad that you liked Tombs because now we have Born Again to contend with. And see, I really liked Born Again. I know it's probably not a great episode, but I liked it. I think I like ghost episodes. I don't, I don't care about ghosts. I and do. I don't, I don't know. I again going for my theory that they are in purgatory, reliving their cases over and over again. This is kind of a this is part Eve, part uh, shadows in some ways. We have somebody haunted by the ghost of a cover up of a crime, and yes, yeah. the world famous Buffalo, New York, Chinatown. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, no, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a tiny. It, certainly, it's a. I mean, I, I, Shatters had a bigger crime. It was the sale of weapons and all of that. The, you know, this is a tinier thing, but it is still a. People were somebody was killed very horribly. Yes, no, someone was killed very horribly. Of course, Charlie was was drowned to death in his own fish tank. That is a horrible way to die, <laughs> and I'm not going to pretend that, pretend that it's not. I, I don't know. I just feel like with Born Again, it's it just feels like the X Files on autopilot to me. It's very rote. It's not really saying anything. It's not really developing the relationships between Mulder and Scully to any real degree. It's It's got this sort of lazy sense of place that is just like, hey, we're on the East Coast and we got a bunch of Italians. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing just is kind of like, what are you doing? I think in a way, because I am so much less familiar with the X-Files than you are, this is, you've seen 10 seasons of the, of x uh, X-Files, and you've seen a lot of X-Files on autopilot by this point. I'm still new to it, so in a way, this is still kind of a little surprising, like, oh, this was a nice little story. I think you might be comparing this to other... You've certainly said about other episodes, they do this kind of story better off, you know? And again, I think Shadows I like better than this episode, and I can see how there would be better episodes than either of these. True, and I I mean, you... you I think you did convince me that Shadows is a better episode than I had remembered it being. Um, I don't know that you're doing a very good job of, of convincing me that Born Again is a better episode than I think it is. But then again, we've only been talking about it for a couple yeah. minutes. I don't know. I, I just feel like, for me, fundamentally, what it comes down to is that it it feels like a, a Ghost Ex Machina episode where w- w- reincarnation is the reason yeah, why the- why this kid... What what exactly is the reason for this? What is she doing? How is she able to to do these things? And I'm not even talking about how is she able to murder these people because, okay, telekinesis, fine. I'll buy that. 
But how is she actually getting to these places? Yeah, no. The, the fundamentally, the, how is this eight-year-old girl getting out of her parents' house, five towns over in the suburbs, <laughs> to downtown Buffalo? I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a, a guest. I mean, guest accommodations are mentioned at one point, so it's far enough away that if you're there at night, you you're going to want to stay overnight and leave in the morning. Yeah. Um, the thing it you're right. The thing it doesn't sell is why this little girl. They wanted to do a bad seed kind of a story, and but but they the episode with the tattoo the other week where uh, the one guy's soul was in the other's body, and they were whether or not we believe that this can happen is irrelevant. The episode made it clear that all right, well, when they were resuscitating him, it pulled in the wrong soul. Okay, I can believe that. We aren't told any reason other than she was born at the same time he died why his soul went into her body. If she there there is no other connection between the two of them. That is the weakest part of the episode. In Shadows at least there was this a very strong relationship between uh the woman and her boss and and so of course he was going to haunt her she did he did doesn't know this girl it's not like he was her father or anything yeah and i guess it I, yeah well maybe that's part of the reason why i don't think this works so well is because the show is already starting to develop different rules about reincarnation yeah. i mean in that episode reincarnation happened because the guy was really close to him in this episode it happened because she was born at the same time this guy died so which one is it yeah. is there more than one type of reincarnation why is it reincarnation i mean this is the worst of this is what the worst of the x-files is which is just Mulder randomly yeah. theorizing about some bullshit he read in you know, news of the week or whatever the fuck that thing was called that you buy on the newsstands where it's like JFK was yeah, alien, weekly, world. Know, weekly See, world news. And so like, it's like, Oh, it's reincarnation. Well, what evidence does he have for that? And I think the, the, epi- the X files at its best is always like Mulder has this crazy theory and then they justify it by doing investigation and evidence. Whereas this episode is Mulder has a crazy yeah. theory and he turns out to be right. Well, see what okay. the, the direction I originally thought it was going at one point, they mentioned that, oh, people who are reincarnated have psychic powers. And see, that's where the episode fell apart. What I thought was going on was this was a girl who just happened to be born with these extreme psychic powers. The soul of this guy, Charlie, you know, ghost is wandering around, meets up with, you know, sees this little girl, recognizes her psychic powers, figures, this is my opportunity to get revenge and possesses her. That would have made sense. That would have been, again, just as in Shadows, the ghost hangs around, uh, the woman that was his protege and that he is, you know, wants to help expose the crimes that he was killed over. In this one, he is he is a vengeful spirit who is using this little girl as a weapon. That's what I thought. I think that would have, again, not to talk about fixing the episode, but that may have given it a bit more of a plausible explanation for why this was going on. Well, yeah, because really Mulder and Scully just stumble from from moment to moment yeah. without actually really doing anything. I mean, they're not really part of the episode to a large degree. Yeah. They're not they're not doing anything. They're not solving a mystery. They're not actively engaged in the plot. It, the plot is happening to them and they're just standing there with their mouths open going, "Well, isn't that weird?" And a lo- and um, and unlike somebody like a Lauren Kite who is an interesting character and the protagonist of the episode and we're at least following her while Mulder and Scully investigate around it, the little girl is not an interesting character. She's a little girl. Yeah, the little girl's not an interesting character. I mean, I think that she's a fine actress for an eight-year-old, but it, it's not really it, – it's not very difficult to direct someone yeah. to sit there blankly. I'm sure I could probably do it. But it is the case where 
this episode tries to fake you out by saying, okay, well, she murdered this guy at the beginning of the episode. She's some sort of evil omen child yeah. or whatever. And okay, if it had turned out to be that, it would have been really bad. But it's this other thing. And it just doesn't have a yeah. good enough hook for me to be able to justify why I should care about this. Yeah. Frankly. And also, I don't know. If these guys get murdered, do I care? It's it, it's sad that, you know... Not really? It's sad that the wife has to have two husbands die. Yeah, that's a shame. But, you know, beyond that, like... And it's just, I don't know, it's always wrapped up in sort of like, you know, patriarchal bullshit about like, oh, he felt guilty and married her because she wanted to take care of her. Why did she want to marry him? There's no indication given that she's a person with her own agency. She's always in the house. Does she have a job? She's introduced baking. Right. Like, what are they, (laughs) I don't know what they're trying to say here. (laughs) One thing I like about the episode is this is they're continuing this through line of deep regression hypnosis, which the term always cracks me up. But I mean, I really, it, I found it very subtle in this episode. For example, when the psych, he suggests it to the psychiatrist and she dismisses it, he's a little pissed off and he's really like, well, but that was what helped him to realize the truth about Samantha. Like there is a reason in this episode, he's so obsessed with it. And I appreciate that the episode doesn't even mention that. I don't think it, you know, and, and yeah. you, I definitely get the sense it's not because they forgot it, but because they assume that if we've been watching, we know that, and if we don't, it doesn't kind of matter. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point, and it's a good, it's a good example of the fact that this episode doesn't treat the audience shabbily. I mean, yeah. it, it definitely, it definitely pays to pay attention, and it certainly has elements to it which are have greater resonance if you've watched the previous episodes you know and i i think that that is the case for for most of the x-files that it it never really treats the audience as stupid yeah um i i don't know i feel as though one of i mean yes scully is very scully is very observant to pick up on the fact that she's baking when he said yeah his wife was sleeping okay that's weird what's going on there uh, I think the deep re- deep regression hypnosis stuff is is interesting in as much as it gives us an interesting scene to watch. Yeah, I and then it also gets us the image of the fish tank at the little yeah, diver yeah, yeah. guy at the end, and that's how they figure out what's going on. You know, it just feels to me like a bunch of disparate elements yeah, that yeah. that don't really gel together very well. Because is this episode about police corruption? Is this episode hmm. about drugs? Is this episode about ghosts? Is this episode about uh psychiatric uh, uh, uh malpractice yeah. i i don't know and I, 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 if, if if it was about this girl being possessed is this about you know children who are abused lashing out at like that kind of a thing yeah yeah because they say a couple times that they're drugging her on thorazine which is yeah. a pretty severe medication yeah. to be giving anyone let alone an eight-year-old <laughs> girl and I guess we're supposed to think that she's so zonked out because she's on fucking Thorazine. I mean, that but... may be part of the. It, 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 it's it's that's more of a kismet thing, but. But it just it just strikes me as very strange because none of the, I mean I guess it's a choice for none of the characters to be very sympathetic. But yeah, I don't like the mother in the episode. I don't like the wife. I don't like the guy. I don't like the the insurance salesman who gets murdered by the bus. Uh, who also has a black driver, then a driver that's white, then the same black driver again. Uh, really? I didn't see that. It's, oh. a, very, it's a very powerful ghost. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, 
I, it, it, this is very much an episode that works when you're watching it, but then when you're done watching it and you think about it, I mean, when I'm watching it, I'm seeing, oh, cool, kind of Final Destination type scenes, and, you know, the house is being torn apart by Psychic. I guess I really like scenes of Psychic Destruction. Maybe that's really it. Like, any episode which just has a house and a ghost or a Psychic Wave just trashes the house, I'm there. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I just always wonder why people just don't leave the fucking house. Like, why are they all standing there staring at this happening? Just leave the because house. Because she psychically locks the door. So break God. the window. And then she psychically locks the window. And then she makes the glass shards, like, dance around in front of her. You're like, I can't get out here. I think I would rather get cut up than stay in a house that is being attacked by a ghost. Well, it wasn't a ghost. It was a psychic little girl who was the reincarnation of a dead cop whatever but it's just you know what i mean it's just like i I don't i don't know what any of this is really supposed to add up to and i don't think that any of it was all that entertaining frankly i mean i'll be i'll be frank i mean i paused this like three times when i was watching it i spent a lot of this episode i will admit looking up on imdb to figure out who the hell half of these actors are like because this this is very a lot of the episodes have been if you watched any show in the 90s you've seen them in a dozen things uh the cop lady is in Friends. The sure the mother was in several uh, was in a couple of Star Treks. Oh, which one? Um, she was in the Masterpiece Society. Oh, and she was also the episode in of DS Nine where Odo is investigating. Uh, oh, that, that was her woman who turns out to be this false person. Yeah, a simple investigation. Yeah, oh, that's where I saw her from. Yeah, okay. And the little girl. Currently voices Pinkie Pie on My Little Pony. She that has voice acting of that stripe has been her career, but she has had a very she, they've every single actor I looked up has just been working constantly. I'm so gla- good for I'm, them. I'm glad they're all acting and I'm glad they're all paying their bills. Yeah. And I'm glad that they got a check for this episode of the X Files. I just wish it was a better episode. Well, you know. Well, and I, <laughs> I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, your your favorite little thing, of course, which is always the the random tech person who appears yes. for one episode and then disappears. <laughs> again. Um, I don't know if he's very good at his like. He seems very he okay. He is a very specific type of person, and he is fascinated by what he's doing, and he thinks that what he's doing is so impressive to everybody. Like, Mulder and Scully are sitting patiently and slightly bored during his explanation, which is going off a little too long. Like, I've known plenty of people, David is like this, who will tell a story where they're just like, all right, well, I'm going to do something amazing. And they're waiting for, you know, so they want, he wants Scully to say, oh, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this. Oh, what's that? Oh, well, it's this technique. Where you know, he wants them to be fascinated. He thinks he's showing them the secrets of the universe when he, they're just like, do the fucking thing, you know, show us what it is. But it's such a weird thing to write into an episode, <laughs> though, because this guy is only in one episode. And as far as I remember, we never see him again. So it's not like they were trying to paint the guy as some sort of asshole. No, but I think it's a, it, I kind of appreciate that, though, that because... It's much more interesting be, be, because the tech guy has a personality in a way. It's not like he's just faceless person number three that is anybody. I mean, I mean think about well, think yeah. about a couple weeks ago, the handwriting expert. Um, I forget that actress's name, but she's someone I've seen in other. The woman she, who was aggressively hitting on Mulder? That's a personality too. And, you know, the way that she is a little cocky, again, is it the most 
detailed or interesting personality? No, but it's a little bit of it adds a little bit of color to what would have already been a nothing. What might have been a nothing scene? You know, that's actually a good point because I, I I've heard I, I forget where I read this, but I I, I read. Um, a, a network television writer or somebody complaining about the fact that the network television hour-long dramas have gotten shorter and shorter, and and you know half hours as well. You know, we're talking yeah. about a show. The X Files clocks in it. You know, at its at its least running time right now, it's like forty-four minutes and thirty seconds or thereabouts. And now network television shows for an hour, like forty minutes, 40, forty-one 40, yeah. minutes. Doesn't sound like a lot, but. What I remember reading is that they said, well, what you lose is yeah, is is humanity, you lose little character moments, you lose the flavor, and it just becomes a slog to get through because you don't have anything in there to break up the tension to, to really make it feel like a lived-in place. And I think that that might be the problem with a lot of these sort of network uh, yeah procedurals nowadays where you don't have the time for the tech guy to be a little bit weird. He just has to go blah. Here you go. Although, you know, I mean, you talk about fringe, for example, as having a, you said that was kind of X files with a team and maybe that's kind of the way to compensate for that. If you don't, if, if, if you don't have the ability to, you know, write a random tech person every week. Well, maybe if you can only give someone a couple of scenes, but you give them scenes every week, you're able to get the characterization in piece by piece rather than just we have one strong character. Yeah, sure. But I, I also think that, I mean, to kind of to, to ground it back in the episode, I, I think that uh, he's perhaps like not that, um, I don't know, he's not that intellectually curious because... No. Early on in the episode when he's doing the composite drawing and, you know, they're doing the funny mustaches and the girls laughing. Yeah. It's a wonderfully touching scene. <laughs> um, the monitor shorts out and he says, oh, maybe that's a yeah. software glitch. Like, what? Well, again, that's his personality. He's somebody who will go for an hour, you know, impressing you with something he he knows well. But when there's something he doesn't know, he's, you know... Oh, let's just go past that to the stuff that I can show off on. I don't know. I think that's kind of justifying a bad line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You yeah. didn't justify me that it was a good use of my time. Oh. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I, And I'm sorry that I shit all over it. But... It's okay. Maybe after this conversation, I wouldn't watch, watch it again. But, you know, nobody has so, still, you haven't sold me on the importance of tombs. And he's mentioned again in this episode as the reason that they're even brought in on this case. Because Janice from Friends, you know, her brother knew. You know, he knew was on the, the Baltimore PD. Yeah. So. Which is fine. It's a nice little connection to the world. And I think it's. It was probably a wise choice to pick a character that was on the show twice. Yeah. Because, you know, if you yeah, didn't start so. watching the show in the beginning, you probably saw the episode last week. So yeah. let's just have a nice little crossover moment. Uh, finally, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but um, I don't know that I really believe they were in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah. Part of me was like are, 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 when they talked about Chinatown, I was like, so they've gone to New York for that, like, are, are they going between Buffalo and New York City in this? No, is it's that... a, that's what I said earlier. Yeah. The world famous Buffalo Chinatown. That's why I got confused. No, it's... it's... Which doesn't exist to my knowledge, <laughs> and I've been to Buffalo. Uh, and especially with the accents. Now, yes, you know, upstate you will have accents, but... Um... 
Yes, for anybody who's listening to this show that lives on the West Coast, oh. there are these there are the there are these things in other parts of the United States and the world called accents. <laughs> People from different areas sound different. Now from Seattle all the way down to San Diego, what you have is an undifferentiated style of speaking that all sounds the same. Well, it sounds like television. In say Philadelphia, you can go two blocks over and have a completely different accent. That's just the way things go on the East Coast. Uh oh, Yinzers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I don't know. At the end of the day, the episode was just kind of there. I didn't really like it. I've seen it way too many times. I can, again, I I, it, I could see it having diminishing returns. It, I would, yeah, it has diminishing returns for sure. And I think I would have liked to have seen less of Gene, the wacky tech, and more brief scenes between Mulder and Scully. Mm. Because, again, once again, Mulder and Scully are just running around in their own episode, not really having anything to do whatsoever. So you really just want an episode that's just the entire – that for the entirety is the two of them on a stakeout and nothing happens and they're just, you know, chatting. Yes, I would love that. I I think that would be a very – you know, I I, I know later on they had all these people like Stephen King and I think William Gibson wrote an episode. That is true. They get a bunch of random – so if I was a random writer going on The X-Files, that would have been my thing. Just a slice of life of – Also would have been a good way for them to save money. Yeah. Basically, I would have done X-Files Kevin Smith style. All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash truckaboutshow, which coincidentally enough also financially supports our other long-running podcast, Truckabout. Uh, we are talking this week about the season two premiere of Star Trek Voyager, The 37s and Initiations. Oh my God. 37? Why did you say it like that? Because it's the third Kevin Smith reference we've made on this podcast today. 37 is a Kevin Smith reference. And if you would like to learn about Kevin Smith references. Social media, we're on it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tuning in show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we have done it. (gasps) We have finished all of the X-Files. Next week, we will have finished. It was a amazing... Because it's the future perfect tense. One season show that was canceled all too briefly. At least it had a very large fan fiction community. And then next week, we start our Doctor Who podcasts. Oh. That is, none of that is Which true. was a terrible show that went on too goddamn long. I am soldiering my way through... <laughs> doctor who right now and i cannot tell you why anyway if you would like to hear us talk about a doctor who series you can do so if you are a patron you're really good on the cross promotion this week i'm appreciating you all right we're talking about the episodes roland and i'm going to butcher this the erlen oh i guess i'm not the erlen meyer flask i thought that was a lot harder to say than i did mac why do you